Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Ephesians chapter 3. Again, I want to thank the church for the prayer and fasting that's going on. Thank you for coming to morning prayer this morning. That's where the power comes from. Amen. And it's good to see our visitors this morning. We're glad you're with us. God bless you for being here. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20. Now unto him, not them. Now unto him, there's a him that can do these things that we're going to read about. A him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Wow, now I, I can ask for a lot. I can think of a lot of things. But God says, I'm beyond all that. I'm so glad that God gives me what I need and not always what I want, aren't you? I could ask God for a billion dollars. We're asking or thinking, right? But I'm so glad he didn't give it to me. I really am. I've seen what money can do to people. And what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul. It is a good thing to be dependent on God every day and not on what you have in a barn or in a warehouse. But he is able to do abundantly above all that we ask or think. But do you know where the power is? According to the power that worketh in us. And unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. And today I want to preach to you for a few minutes on this subject. Jesus, even better than advertised. Jesus, even better than advertised. Let's give Jesus a good round of applause. You're better than advertised, Lord. Above all that we can ask or think, Lord. Hallelujah. You know what we need. And you provide all of our needs according to your riches. Hallelujah. Praise God. I I serve a rich God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Brother Tamil used to say, and the potatoes in them too. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Let me ask you if you have ever been disappointed about the way that things have been advertised. Have you ever gone on a vacation? It wasn't as advertised. My wife and I do get to do some traveling and, um, and sometimes we go places we haven't been before and I'll say, hey, that looks like it'd be a good motel. She looks it up in the AAA book and it's this many stars and it's this price and we have a general idea of what we think we're getting into in a motel. But I've gone to motels and my wife will say, Ask to look at the room before you buy it. 
And I have gone in to motel rooms that were not as advertised. I went back to one man and I said, sir, there's already a family in that room. (laughs) Oh, sorry about that. I've gone to another room and said, "Uh, there's already creatures inhabiting this room. I do not wish to share the evening with the cockroaches and all of that, right? The room is not as advertised. So if there's any doubt in your mind, you may want to check the room before you buy it because not all things are as advertised. Amen? They're not all as... I remember buying my first car. How many of you remember buying your first car? I remember being this rebellious teenager, wanted to buy this car on my own, started with, just like my son, paper routes and then dishwasher and busboy and you climb the ladder and make a little money and you buy a cheap junker. We called them junkers. Anybody ever buy a lemon? Yeah, well my junker was a lemon. And because I know so little about cars, it looked good. It, it, it had a, a nice paint job. It had four tires. It sounded pretty good when it ran. And it was big and powerful. And that's what I wanted. But I came to find out that there was a coat wire hanging up the muffler. And the guy was running this big, thick STP in it. Looks like molasses and drowns out all the sounds of the engine. It was a piece of junk. It was a lemon. And you've had cars like that too. And it's disappointing, especially if you got big payments and you're stuck with it for a while. Things are not always as they are advertised. I remember, anybody ever hear of a place called Atlantic Mills? Oh, you must be from south side of Milwaukee. South side of Milwaukee, 27th Street. Atlantic Mills. It was the Kmart. (laughs) The Target. The Walmart. Those are terms you hear. We used to go to Atlantic Mills. We also called Atlantic Mills Tokyo Mills. Because everything on it says, made in Tokyo, made in Tokyo. But you could get it cheap. And we want things cheap. We want high quality and low prices. Pretty difficult to get both. I remember buying these baseballs. Baseballs that we would buy from Atlantic Mills. I remember one, the first one I bought, and it was the last one. And it did not last a day. After a while, a couple of hits on that baseball and it looked like a dying quail from a 12-grade shotgun. Poof, it was just gone. A cheap baseball, but it, it didn't last. You could even buy clothing at, at Atlantic Mills. I, I remember, and you know, when you're a teenage boy, you want to look nice for all the girls, you know, sharp. And, and uh, I, I bought this beautiful, I like this brown shirt. It looked, kind of looked like a Hawaiian shirt. It could hang out. It looked real nice. 
and I bought these white pants. Do not buy white pants. Everything gets on them and they don't. But I bought these white pants and I have to admit that they didn't have my size and I bought a size too small. So what you do is, even before you know anything about God, is you fast before you go to school. It makes you a little smaller and, and the clothes will fit a little bit better. So I went to school, I had this beautiful brown shirt, I was so proud of it, and these nice white pants, and I went to school, and you'll remember what happened. I bent over and... RIP! You stand at attention when your pants rip, by the way. I stood to attention and I thought, what am I gonna do now? Fortunately, I had my whitey tighties on that day. I looked for somebody's jacket or sweater. Hey, give me your jacket, give me your sweater. Wrapped it around my waist. I thought, at least I'll get out of school today. At least I'll get to go home now that my pants are up. They can't be send me to class. But this principal, he, he was a hard man. What's your problem, Kylie? Well, my pants ripped. Maybe you shouldn't buy those cheap pants and maybe you ought to wear something a little looser. I mean, I get a lecture for it, you know. Well, sir, I, I guess I, can, I, I need to go home because my pants ripped. No, no, no. He said, you don't need to go home. He said, you can stay in my office. Here's the stapler. He said, you, you staple those pants and you get back to class. For the rest of the day, I walked like a mermaid. <laughs> the pants were not as advertised. They were not as expandable as I thought that they would be. They didn't last a day. Hey, listen, you get what you pay for. And you know what? The sin of this world is not as advertised. It's not the Marlboro man. You know, one of the greatest people that I admired, it probably just because of his movies, I obviously never knew him personally, was, was John Wayne. You know what John Wayne died of? Cancer. They said that he was smoking six packs of cigarettes a day. He didn't start out when he started smoking, saying, my goal is to smoke six packs of cigarettes a day and die of cancer. But we're just gonna try it because it calms your nerves. It'll calm you down. Something is wrong in your life and this is a drug that will help you to deal with your problems, just like alcohol. Nobody gets up in the morning and says, my goal in life is to become an alcoholic. But they take a few drinks, they smoke a few joints, they do a little drug. Nobody says, I want to be unfaithful to my wife. I want to be labeled a fornicator. So I'm just going to dabble in porn. It's, it's a progression, folks. It, it starts out with such innocence and seems so glamorous. But if you could see the tragic accidents 
the pileups along life's highway, from all of these things that we call sin, and realize that they are for but a season, and that they will actually steal, kill, and destroy your life. They are not as advertised, and you are not as strong as you think you are. You're dabbling in something that's going to take you farther than you wanted to go, cost you more than you were willing to pay, and leave you in ruins. Sin is not as advertised. Can you imagine taking a girl out on a date and deciding, hey, let's have a few drinks and maybe we'll get drunk, and throwing up on them? Wouldn't, isn't that a great way to end your date? I mean, that'd probably be the last one. But that's what happens. It never is as good as is advertised. But I want to dwell today on the positive. I want you to know that Jesus is better than advertised. Jesus is better than advertised. Do you remember the story of Abraham and Lot and how God took on a theological form and brought two angels with him and he was on his way to Sodom and Gomorrah to destroy those two cities because of their sin of homosexuality. God hasn't changed his mind, folks. But on this particular day, he was gonna take those two angels and they were gonna destroy two cities. But he said, you know, how can I not reveal this to my friend, the one that I've chosen to make a great nation of. So he stops by Abraham's house and he said, Abraham, I want you to know that I'm on my way to Sodom and Gomorrah and these two angels are gonna destroy those two cities. And Abraham said, whoa, wait a minute, God. Let's talk about this a little bit. This is what we call prayer. This is going to be intercessory prayer because his nephew and his family are now in Sodom and Gomorrah. You see, if you pitch your tent toward Sodom, it will suck you in. When we read about the decision that Lot and Abraham made and how Lot pitched his tent toward Sodom, we don't hear from Lot again until we find out now he's got a house. Be careful. Sodom and Gomorrah is not as advertised. It is not as advertised. And so he said, well, this is what I'm gonna do. And Abraham said, you wouldn't destroy the righteous with the ungodly? I, I know you better than that, God. You wouldn't do that. He said, what if, what if there were 50 there? Would you destroy the city or spare it for the sake of the 50? He said, all right, Abraham. He said, if I find 50. And Abraham kept whittling him down. He went 40, 30, 20. And finally he said, God, God, if there were 10, would you spare the city for the sake of 10? And God said, all right, Abraham, deal. If I can find 10 righteous, I'll spare the two cities. The fact of the matter is, there were not 10 righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah, not in all of the 
two cities could God find even 10 righteous? Listen, you don't have to be in the majority to be right. Straight is the gate and narrow is the path and few there be that find it. But broad is the way that leads to destruction and many there are that enter therein because they've bought the advertisements. That's why I really like DVRs. I get to skip all the advertising. But here's how good God is. He made a deal, right? And he keeps his word. But he tells those two angels, you go to Lot's house and you take them out of this city before you execute your judgment. The deal was for 10, but only four left that day. Lot, his wife, and his two daughters. His sons-in-law, they didn't leave. Four, the deal was for 10. That's how good God is. He goes beyond the deals that we make. His mercy is greater than what we even ask for. He's better than he's advertised. Or, or how, about, how about the story of the widow woman who has a son and they're starving and they're, and they're uh, making their last meal and Elijah comes along and says, bake me a cake, and if you do this, and you give me the water, and all of that, he said, I'll, I'll promise you this. God will never let the oil run out of your cruise or the meal out of your barrel. No matter what happens to everybody else, God will provide for you. Doesn't matter what's happening in the land. God will take care of you. Oil and meal, that's the promise. And of course, they took the deal. And the oil didn't fail. And the meal was always in the barrel. And they lived through the famine while others around them were dying. And then something happened. After that, let's, I want you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. This is verse 15, 1 Kings 17, 15. She went in and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. The barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. But let's read on. But it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. So the prophet of God cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? He stretched forth himself upon the child three times, cried to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come unto him again. And he came back to life. He didn't have to do that. That wasn't the deal that was made. The deal was for the oil and the meal. That's it. I have fulfilled my part of the bargain. But God is better than advertised. He brought a boy back to life that wasn't part of the deal. God never 
backs out of a deal and he never backs down from a promise, you ask him to go one mile, he'll go two. You ask him to supply your needs and he'll even give you some of your wants. He never comes up short on a deal or never meets you halfway. He is better than he is advertised because he does things exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think according to the power that is working inside of us. Better. It's better. Let me take you to a young boy's lunch. 5,000 people, not counting the women and children, and all he's got is a lunch. And with it, he not only sees to it that they all get a little something to eat, which would have been more than satisfactory. I mean, picture this. He gets what he can hold in two hands, a boy's lunch, and he feeds maybe 20,000 people with it. That to me is much better than advertised. And we're gonna give you each a crumb. We know you're hungry, but this is all we got. No, he not only gives them all something, he feeds them all till they're full. Anybody for seconds? We got plenty left over. Come and get it. Everybody's had something, but if, if you're still hungry, the disciples still have food in their hands, come and get it, and they just gorge themselves. I can picture them running up there. Man, I'm gonna get all I can. I don't know where my next meal is coming from, and I don't know how he does this, but man, I'm gonna eat till I'm stuffed. And he feeds them all. And then he says, hey, don't let anything be wasted. There's a bunch of leftovers out there. Take your baskets and go collect it. God doesn't give you just enough. He's exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. And when he's done, you will be full and you'll even have leftovers so that you can share the leftovers. I like leftovers. I don't know about you, but... Sometimes I think meatloaf even tastes better the second day. I'm not always in favor of leftovers. I don't like all those white boxes in our refrigerator from sunny side up. You know, my wife and I have learned that we can actually split a skillet now that we're a little older. Instead of saying, well, let's take this home and put it in the refrigerator and leave it there for a week before we throw it out. That's how good God is though. He not only makes sure you're full, he gives you leftovers. Have you ever sat in a restaurant and eaten a good meal and taken leftovers home? God has provided for you folks. He has provided for you. Or take a look at this guy. Well, let me show you one more guy. Here's a man I want to give you a description of the man before I just read a portion of the account. One man that is crazy, wild, and strong. He is demon-possessed. 
He has at least 2,000 demons inside of him. That kind of a person needs to be locked up. That kind of a person needs to be destroyed. That's what society would say. They, They can't have anything to do with society. This is the worst of the lot. They've got him refined to a a graveyard and people avoid him like it's worse than leprosy. Nobody wants anything to do with legion except Jesus. Because if you read what I'm about to read to you in the previous chapter, it will end with Jesus ministering to the multitudes of people. I mean, that's what we want, right? We want the multitudes. So finally, Jesus, we have multitudes of people gathered around you to be ministered to so that you can preach to them. You've got the audience. You've got the crowd. You've got the multitudes. Finally, it is right where we want it. And he said, okay, that's it. Get on the boat. We're going to the other side takes them through a storm that almost kills them all and they get to the other side so that they can minister to legion. If I were one of the disciples, I would say, I'd scratch my head and I'd say, Jesus, multitudes over there hungry for your word and your ministry You take us through a storm that almost kills all of us to bring us to one legion? The worst guy we've ever seen? This does not make sense to me. Well, sure, I understand that because you don't see things like I see them. I see one eye in the word multitude. You just see big numbers. I'm making you think now, aren't I? And you know who the I is? It's you. Say, well, Jesus Jesus came today to minister to the the crowd at Abundant Life. No, 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 he didn't. He came to minister to one I. And that I is you. That I is you. And you may say, oh, I'm so unworthy. Are you more unworthy than Legion? Are you worse than him? Because Jesus would take 12 disciples, leave a multitude, bring them through a storm, and minister to you if you were the only one on that island. That ought to make you feel pretty good about yourself. But that's how much Jesus loves you. So he delivers them of the demons puts them in the pigs, the pigs run over the cliff, and they drown in the sea. And verse 19 tells how the people from the town came out to see what had happened. And in verse 15 it says, they were come to Jesus and they see him, meaning legion, that was possessed with the devil and had the legion, and here he is, sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. And they were afraid. 
People aren't always going to understand what happens to you when Jesus gets a hold of your life. This guy's a lunatic, but now here he is. He's delivered of his demons. Isn't that enough? Isn't that enough? Just, I mean, to be delivered of your demons, that's enough. Be thankful for that. No, no, no. No, you're not only going to be delivered of your demons, Legion. You're going to sit down very calmly. Here's some clothing that I have for you. I want you, because you've been running around, you're a wild man, you weren't wearing any clothes, get dressed up right, sit down, here's your clothing, and I'm going to give you a new mind. Oh, I love this part. A new heart, a new spirit, everything's going to change from the inside and the outside of your life. And they say the pigs ran over the cliff, and this guy, he's the one that did it, and they come out and see him, and they see this legion, and they go... What happened to this guy? Jesus. Better than advertised. He's the one that did it. He's the one that delivered him. Somebody preach with me today. He delivered me. He clothed me. He put me in my right mind. He gave me a new heart and a new spirit. He's better than advertised better than advertised. And watch, that's not the end of the story. He says, hey Jesus, I wanna go with you. I wanna get on the boat. I wanna be your disciple. Wherever you are, that's where I wanna be. But in verse number 19, it says, Jesus suffered him not but said unto him, no, I want you to go home to your friends and I want you to tell them the great things the Lord has done for you and how he had compassion on you. Wow, you know what he did here? He gave him a ministry. He gave him a purpose. It wasn't the purpose that he wanted for his life. He just wanted to be with Jesus, but, but Jesus said, no, no, I want you to go home to your friends and I want you to tell them the great things that I've done for you and I want you to tell them about my compassion for them. Do you have a purpose? Do you have a reason for living, yeah, my purpose is to take care of my family and work a job. And no, that's a vocation. I'm asking about a purpose. Jesus gives our lives purpose. I have a purpose. I was born to praise. I was born to pray. I was born to be a witness. God's given me a ministry. And when I fulfill that ministry, it's even better than advertised. I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. And that's not just your biological children. It's people that you win to God. It's people that you help and shared your testimony with. And you gave them hope. And you gave them purpose. <clears throat> I don't know of a greater joy than that. 
Let me tell you how great this God that I'm talking about is. His name is Jesus. Let me tell you how great he is. He's greater than all the other gods. Well, they've been advertised as great. There's Allah and there's Buddhas and there's all these other characters who are supposed to be so great and have done such great things. Let me tell you about my Jesus. My Jesus is God with a body. My Jesus is a God that came to minister to the hurts, the habits, and the hang-ups, which we're going to hear about Wednesday night, of all kinds of people, including you and I. My God is so great that he came himself to die on a cross for my sins. There is no other God that has ever done that. There is no other God that has ever come to this earth and exampled the spirit of a servant, given us an example in leadership by doing, not just by commanding. He didn't just preach, he lived. He showed them and he died for them. There is no other God but Jesus, and he is better than advertised. Better than advertised. And without controversy, this is 1 Timothy 3.16, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached to the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in the glory. That's a great God, folks. That's not just a God that sits on a throne and points his finger and and issues commands. He leads from the front. He leads by example. He leads through strength. Let me show you some of his attributes or or cause you to remember how great our God is. How about creation? Any of you impressed with creation? He not only creates the earth, he creates the heavenlies. I wish you could have seen the moon last night and the stars. How many of you have seen beautiful sunrises and sunsets? Even the storms that come our way with the clouds. There's never been a God like this God. Our bodies are fearfully and wonderfully made. His mercy Listen to Lamentations 3 and 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning and great is his faithfulness. How about his grace? His grace, I want you to know his grace is better than advertised. This is uh, Psalm 68 and 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily, I'm I'm talking about every morning and I'm talking about daily. Not just once in a while. Every day, every day with Jesus. He loads us with his benefits. He's even the God of our salvation. Psalm 103 and verse one. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all of his benefits. 
Anybody remember any of his benefits? He forgives all of our iniquities. He heals all our diseases. He redeems our life from destruction. He crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies our mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. You know of another God that does that? But this one is better than advertised. Psalm 16 and 11, thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is a touch from God, a wind that passes by. No, fullness. I like the word fullness. Fullness of joy at thy right hand pleasures, not just for now, but forevermore. Let me tell you how great our God is. And, and, and I've learned this through experience. I'm, and experience is not the best teacher, but sometimes it's the only way that we learn. I have learned that not, my way is not always the best way. God knows more than I know. He sees the end from the beginning. I've asked for things and I'm glad I didn't get them. You know this property that we're on this morning? This was not my will. I wanted a piece of property over on Lisbon Road in Oconomowoc. I used to march around the land and claim it in Jesus' name. I talked with the man that owned the land on several occasions. I tried to talk him into it. He would not budge. The door was absolutely shut. But God opened this door. This was better. This is where we belong. 14 acres for a little, for $205,000. Tell me where you can get that deal. Because God had something better than what we were asking for. And we need to take what God gives us because it's sufficient. I thought of this, and and maybe this is the spot, talking about the grace of God. I had a situation one time where, um, any of you ever have trouble with teenagers? Well, my daughter ran away, and I was just a wreck. And I remember going to the back door. I remember going to the back door of the house, and we had a long, narrow backyard. And uh, I was looking out there, and I said, Lord, you know that my, my daughter's gone. I don't know where she is. We can't find her. And I'm praying that you'll take care of her. And, you know, I, you feel so helpless so out of control, something you can't fix, something you can't control. And the Lord said, watch this. He said it this way, watch this. And these two doves come flying in and they land on the peak of the garage. And the Lord speaks to my mind and says, I have brought these two doves to represent my peace for your life. And while you go through this trial, every time you come and talk to me, you will see them somewhere in the yard so that you will be reminded that my peace and my grace will be sufficient for you. And you know what I used to do, and my wife will attest to this. I'd be sitting in the living room, we might be reading a book or we might be having a conversation, and I think I'm gonna outfox God. 
I will literally jump up out of the chair, run to the back door and look for doves. And every single time, those doves were somewhere in that yard. They were always there. But I was still struggling. And now the Lord spoke to me on one of those times when I ran to the back door. And he said, you know what? He said, I'm providing what you need. But if you want to worry and you want to reject what I'm giving you, that's up to you. I just said something that will help you to understand. God is willing to provide the peace and the grace, but if you want to worry and you want to push that away and you want to try and take control of the situation, see, if I worry, that means I'm in control. If I'm not worried, that means he's in control. I'm ministering, I'm not preaching now, I'm ministering to somebody. Are you worried? You're in control. And you know what? It's because you're not trusting God. I know it's not easy. But God's gonna be up all night anyway. Why should you have to stay up? Are you hearing me? He gives us his presence. He gives us his power. He gives us his... Matthew 28 and 18, Jesus said unto them, all power. All means all. All power in heaven and in earth is given unto me. Yeah, he's got it. Nobody else has any. Let's stand together. I think I've made my point and I need to quit. Mm. Jesus, you are better than advertised. John 15 and 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And then he went and did it. No other God. No other God was willing to do that. But Jesus loves you that much. And you know what? I know we're going to have struggles and trials. But God's going to be right there with us. And he's going to take us through those trials. And his grace is sufficient for me. And at the end of this journey, let me say this to you. Eye has not seen. Remember how we began? According to all that we could ask or think. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 2.9 says. Eye has not seen, near nor an ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for those that love him. Jesus, I pray today that the only thing we'd be focused on for the next few minutes is coming to the altar and praising and worshiping you 
because you have always been even better than advertised. We can read about you in a Bible. We can hear a preacher preach a sermon. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.